Welcome everyone to the Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I don't make mistakes. The Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 103, Divide and Conquer, is sponsored by Karnak's Wacky Tabacky. It'll have you kicking over tables and loosening your knots in no time. Pete, before we jump in, want to say a big thank you to our Inhumans listeners. We know this one is going out a little late. And if you are new to the game, we don't podcast things late. Occasionally, there's like a, a day delay or whatever. But with us having spent three massive days at New York Comic Con this past week and uh, having been on the road in order to do that, uh, getting this one out a little late and uh, proud to be bringing it to you ASAP and uh, proud to be looking forward down the line later this week on the Pop Culture Podcast. We'll be talking much more about New York Comic Con before next Friday comes and we reload and do some more in humans and whatnot. So uh, hopefully that's a good enough excuse. And uh, I don't know, Pete, it was a it was a good weekend. If we had to miss in humans by a couple of days, it was a good excuse that just this once. I'll do you one better, Matt. There we are uh, for the uh, Hulu Marvel Runaways panel and episode one screening in the time slot approximately that Inhumans is scheduled to go off. And after the screening, um, and yeah, a couple people did get up, but that Marvel head of television Jeff Loeb missed the first half of Inhumans and he was saying you know hey I know people in the crowd you're running home to catch the second half of Inhumans you know I, I think we've earned uh, this pass here to be dropping it on a Monday for a show that aired on Friday and again those who know us know this is super out of the ordinary um, and uh, yeah I, I, I think uh, our product speaks for itself uh, that we'd been getting emails with people worried that we were stretching our th ourselves too thin. <laughs> what with Inhumans and Star Trek Discovery and Punisher coming soon and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, that we attended the panel and part of the fifth season premiere uh, was screened for us there. So uh, sorry. Uh, super uh, gratified that that people reached out like, hey, are you guys still doing this? Um, and uh, yeah, you can expect to get these much, much sooner to when it premieres on your TV. Seeing the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel reminding me, I'm sure you as well, of four years ago when we were at the first Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel um, and and. You know, back then, the Marvel Cinematic TV universe was a whopping four episodes. Hey, let's podcast this show. I mean, you know, we'd already decided to do S.H.I.E.L.D. And then it was like, hey, let's they're going to do an Agent Carter. That's cool. Let's podcast that, too. Now it's just like, you know what? <laughs> Were there some weaknesses in the first two episodes of Inhumans? Okay, fine. Go back and listen to that. But, Pete, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV, and we do the movies as well. Come on, let's, you know, we're, a couple days late, we're still here to see how many of these we shows do it we all. Juggle. We do it all, and we are the only one that does it all. So uh, our track record speaks for itself. We'll talk no more about it. Matt, you know what it's time for. Royal Digest! Pete, we open in the Declan Research Facility in Santa Barbara, California. Pete. That's 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 the guy from Lost. This is all coming back together here. It's Henry Ian Cusick yeah. playing Declan. Um, and he basically is watching episode one of Inhumans because the video that he gets <laughs> showed to him is on cut a from, yeah, yeah, it's on a tablet. It's cut from uh, many angles. And um, it's it, it's he sees where Black Bolt gets arrested. Uh, and uh, with that, he's interested in more info. And he's going to reach out to a, a prisoner friend or reach out to a prisoner new friend. Yes. Well, first he's headed to the airport. He asks uh, a driver to take him so that he might head out to the island of Oahu uh, in Hawaii. Um, but Matt, when I spent some time in Santa Barbara, California this summer at the Declan 
Franklin Research Facility. I remember uh, them bringing in Sammy, you know, to run the inhuman tests on him there, uh, which which was a good review at the end of the episode i don't think we saw that coming uh but of course it's not his lawyer on the phone it's really dr declan just said that to get him on the phone you know from my car as i'm heading to the airport to come see you but he knows his case file he knows the reason he's been arrested what do you what do you say uh i help you you help me i'm on my way what do you need me to do says sammy right into our title card it's it's brief it's effective um we're already off to a more shall we say narrative start than the previous offerings i really like this title card sequence um i I don't know because it's a bit more comic booky but because obviously the title card exists outside the narrative i feel like that's the place to do it i know agents of shield Frequently, we'll have uh, you know we'll have its stylized presentation. Sometimes even deviate from that, like in the beginning of season five. What we'll talk about that <laughs> later, not on this podcast yes. right now. But uh, yes. I, don't, I, I dig it. It's a reminder that this is you know a, a capes and flying, have fun kind of universe. Here we come out of the title card with a press conference. No questions. No questions. Although Pete, I have a question for you. That lady talk about her science background. She looks awful familiar. Who is she? That is the character of Louise. You know, the one who works for Callisto Aerospace there. You know, the billionaire who wants to put a hotel on the moon. No, it's a base. The hotel will come later. Uh, I'm going to walk you back. That was not a press conference. That was more of an ambushing of Captain Pena there for details um, that they're uh, looking for. But I think before that, it's important to point out the flashback that Black Bolt has with um, his father, Aegon, and the voiceover there. uh, The being a king isn't what you think it is, the idea of sacrifice, responsibility. And uh, pre-Terogenesis, Black Bolt... Uh, just doesn't think this is going to be his thing. It's boring. Uh, but there's young Maximus, uh, ready to step up. Um, you know, it's a situation where Black Bolt feels that it would be boring to be king of, oh, of Adelan, of all 1400 people. Um, but you know, quickly the discussion turns to, well, what if, what if I die in battle? Well, no kids, you're not at war. Oh wait. Yeah. But what if he does die? Dad, you know, as the younger brother, I get promoted, right? No one's going to die, Matt, but they're both destined for great things, right? Well, I suppose time will tell there. We certainly know it in, in, in one case, it's greatly terrible. I just have a quick this is this isn't even like a theory. It's not even really a question, just kind of like a little a little thought tangent for a moment. Fourteen hundred people on Adelan. Um, how crowded is that gene pool? Like fourteen hundred people is not a lot of people to go back X number of generations and realize, you know, everyone should have six fingers and not because of uh <laughs> you know, because of uh terogenesis and all that. Anyhow, Pete well, you I- I mean, oh. we are seeing they have some uh, genetic abnormalities, and yeah, they do have a council, and I'm sure science, science, but I, I think you kind of answered your own question. <laughs> you know, when when people are born with a, a voice that is the most dangerous thing ever, thanks, strangely woven together DNA of this inbred city. So maybe Pete, the madness of King Maximus is, uh, <laughs> is that, is that small gene pool causing its effect. Uh, but the story takes us back to Black Bolt still in prison. Uh, the officer wants to talk with Black Bolt. You won't talk. Well, muahaha, says the officer, we're going to have fun. Between, uh, Captain Pena, uh, you know, dismissing the idea that this, very dangerous prisoner would go to solitary. Instead, they stick him in gen pop, Matt. You know what that means. They're looking for him to get rattled by their other guests, air quotes, 
make him a little bit more inclined to talk. And then tough guard number one in the uh, in the, in the script there. He he wants to have that fun before we're at uh, beautiful Waikiki Beach with Medusa listening to uh, Kid Cudi surfer music. Yeah, I mean, certainly there needs to be sympathy for her, how she's presented. You might say, oh, well, it's just basic fish out of water. True, but uh, there's a pathos on Sarinda Swan's face in this where, you know, whatever whatever other faults there there might have been preceding this, you really, really feel for her. Uh, And I rather like the joke here. She sees the ATM kind of functioning in a basic way. She walks up to it. She declares she is queen of Adelan. Give me money. Um, It's (laughs) if it's hokey, it's only hokey in the service of the joke. It's a really, really nice moment. It's a humanizing moment or inhumanizing. I don't know anymore, Pete, but uh, (laughs) unhumanizing as Stan Lee thought the inhumans were called unhumans. Uh, we'll, we'll detail that in our New York comic con special, but even with a please, Matt, she's unable to get what she wants. You know, having seen a hot dog change hands for money and then the ATM give out money, but we're whisked as this is rapid fire here at the start to Gorgon in the jungle with guys we've not yet met. Well, he's, he's hired himself a local crew, Pete. He is concerned about making sure that since he has used Hawaii tax credits in order to get to Hawaii from the moon, um, he, he wants he wants to spread that you know that uh, aloha spirit and, and have some local people work for him on his uh, murder death kill squad. But do they understand what they're fighting? These human soldiers say that they've seen combat, and um, then you know Gorgon explains how things are going to get a lot worse interesting moment and maybe not not my place not our place to judge completely but interesting moment where the local hawaiian says that he will uh, will fight for gorgon's king in honor of the hawaiian king deposed many years ago uh, i certainly dig that king? sentiment yeah Kamehameha. well there you go so I, yeah. I mean again i like that as a connection i'm you know we're we're at literally the opposite end of the country from there so i certainly don't know the particulars in hawaii i i like it as a story moment i don't know how i don't know i won't presume to know how a veteran of these armed services now back home in hawaii how quickly they would jump to be part of a murder death kill squad for <laughs> uh in humans from the moon to be the to have the kingly connection there whatevs well, the one says a fight's a fight, and I'm sure a check is a check, Matt. Uh, but they better get ready, no. And that whisks us then back to Adelon on the moon, where Crystal, still stuck in her apartment here, is laying on the bed with the headphones. It's what you do when your uh, nasty uh, brother-in-law comes to see you. Indeed. He's just a nice guy, honest he is. He doesn't want to kill anyone anymore. Um, although, Crystal, it really would help, he says, if she would make a, uh, a nice speech supporting him and whatnot. It'll help keep everyone alive, you know, back to that not killing anyone desire. And uh, Maximus would love it if she just did that of her own free will because it is implied he can get her to do it without her own free will. Uh, it's a nice scene. Having left Crystal here with, uh, you know, the better idea for her to realize Maximus calls Oron. Uh, There's been no uh, progress on Black Bolt's whereabouts. Um, Of course, dummy, the Earth is bigger than the moon, but I suppose we've got to establish that. Um, But uh, Maximus knows where Gorgon is. He was stupid to threaten him. Uh, he never seemed to, uh, be able to control himself and they consider him a bird in the hand to take down black bolt after that. But as we established in the tag scene in the previous episode, you know, the one where Oron said, send me back up. Now we're going to repeat that Matt in that Maximus tells Oron, Hey, I'm sending backup. And, Mortis. So first one question, Pete. I know that there's this line, the moon is smaller than Earth, but doesn't 
I know that I know that uh, we have our players on Earth know uh, that that this energy signal was sent all towards Hawaii, so on and so forth. Don't our don't the Inhumans know that too? Because the Moon has a surface area of uh, three point seven times ten to the seventh square kilometers, and Oahu has a uh, total area of five hundred. Uh, pardon me, fifteen hundred square kilometers. So Oahu is infinitely well perhaps not infinitely for being so specific with our math but it is incredibly smaller than the surface area of the moon um 600 square miles the entire island it shouldn't be that tough to find the inhumans on oahu particularly if oh i don't know (laughs) any of them have had any run-ins with law enforcement or the news why would you let science guide you matt you're supposed to take it on faith there um, and showing no faith is Oron in Maximus. She does not want Mortis sent there because he's just death. Uh, it's at this point that Maximus checks in with his psychic friend from the first two episodes uh, who does not foresee death. Uh, Pete, I just wanted to make sure that you knew Brunaja's name. I knew Brunaja's name. All these names, they just roll off the tongue. You got your Black Bolt, your Maximus, your Oron, your Mortis, uh, your local pal uh, in the prison, Sammy. It's it's all it's all very memorable. Anyhow, um, it, it would seem from from Brajan, is it that uh, that Maximus Brunaja? Okay. Brunaja. <laughs> See, I'm I'm just testing you, Pete. Um, but it's reminded we we as the audience, along with Maximus, are reminded that Brunaja doesn't really know his own powers. Um, and then we get the reveal of Mortis, who's wearing a metal mask. What a mystery, Pete, to take us to the act break. Yeah, uh, a character I like to refer to as broken down Jason X. Um, this is not a good costume. The the glowing eyes with the mask, uh, the, the voice <laughs> makes it less good. So while we've paid some Inhumans compliments here... Um, not the way, particularly to head into an act break. Follow me, I'll explain. <laughs> well, Pete, I'm following you out of the act break. Locus <laughs> is calling Oran uh, to send down the crew. Mortis comes last. Uh, and he says, hey, Oran, which sounds a bit, I'm not trying to be mean against the show, Pete. We learned from Iron Fist. We can be critical, but we're not here to be haters. Uh, it does genuinely to my ears. It sounded like when he said, Hey, we're on, like he was saying, Hey, moron. However, Pete, more importantly, dialogue continues to confirm that there is tension between everyone and tension, particularly between Oron and Mortis. Yeah, it's not really a situation that she wanted to find herself in. Uh, Mortis, we learn, didn't want to uh, exactly be there either, but he's been promised freedom to the jungle, Matt. And we catch up with Karnak for the first time in this episode. He sees a a makeshift kind of shack there. There's a guy with plants that it's not immediately apparent uh, are are special types of plants that would be regulated in, in some states legally and would be outlawed in this one uh well i guess uh good news i didn't know the the status in hawaii um but uh i i, I know pete that they're real they're real upset that uh the karnak has wandered across this uh, uh this this farm o weed here uh karnak re- makes reference to the fact that he's looking for his king and he doesn't make mistakes uh, at which point, for uh, ironic purposes, the second wacky tobacco farmer comes behind him with a machete, and it uh, looks like Karnak has made a mistake. In the jail mess hall, a location, Matt, we're familiar with for from a Dear Departed podcast, what's sometimes referred to as a gas chamber. Um, we, uh, we have people prompting Black Bolt for his name, uh, uh, mean or tough guard number two here, uh, lets him know that it was his brother-in-law he put in the hospital. It's going to be six weeks of meals through a straw. Thanks to you. And there's Sammy who asks, 
Rivera, the guard there, to bring Black Bolt to his cell for a little playtime. See, he's making friends already. Once again, we return to this idea um, where to me it's just more a question. I'm not pointing fingers. If I was a resident of Hawaii, knowing that uh, you know that, that some of these productions are supported with tax dollars, although I must admit I don't know that Inhumans is one of them, but regardless, like once again we kind of have law enforcement being portrayed as the bad guys, and I'm certainly not saying that that there aren't mistakes out there, and I'm not trying to dispel any of the the larger concerns about you know what we see in our real world but on this fake world do we need to do the trope of rivera the guard that i'll, I'll beat you in a minute buddy because you put my buddy in a hospital like it, there's just something that's like you know if we're, if, if we're watching oz and we want to learn about crooked prison guards okay but like this is just this is a little color by numbers moment i don't mean to to harp on it but it, it's like we're we're getting nuance, but what are we getting out of it? Just that he's he'll he'll beat up a prisoner if he has to. Okay. I think it works on this level. We defeat the expectation in that the uh, cons wind up identifying with uh, Black Bolt for the wrong reasons. Of course, hey, you flipped the cop car. You're all right. Give me give me a pound. But Sammy, but as you, you have to the, be careful he's saying that in a prison context, Pete. But I, but I understand your point. <laughs> True, but Sammy, as the you know inhuman inmate with a heart of gold, works for me. So um, you know, all right, if we're gonna trope it up with you know bad guards, yes. Does it not make Hawaii necessarily look good and their law enforcement? I I. I'd have to agree in in the slight there, but I think it works better on a story level with what we would expect about these prisoners. Anyhow, the story takes us back to the forest where uh, the inhuman ground crew is really impressed with all the trees and foliage, which is a nice moment. You figure they're from this, this very sterile world of uh, Adelan on the moon. However, Mortis is grumpy. There's all these twisty turns and stuff. And we get the great line, hey, Flora, can't you make a path or something? Oh, boy, Pete, these inhumans, these royals up there on the moon how can we ever how can we ever compare ourselves with them and she touches the ground there and uh a bunch of fauna uh i'm sorry flora fauna not being uh that character uh moves out of the way and makes it better before matt where do we go royal estates elsewhere on the island it is royal estates elsewhere on the island. I know this because it says so quite specifically on the screen. <laughs> um, was a very curious location to, I mean, I get royal. That's that's fine. And I'm sure there is, uh, you know, something on that level. But elsewhere on the island, it, it felt like we need to explain. She is in a super different place. Not apparent that she's in a neighborhood and they were just in a jungle. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, certainly the first two episodes made it clear that they're all on Oahu. Uh, is that title card in there uh, for the purposes of making it clear to new viewers or viewers who have forgotten? I don't know. But Pete, uh, Medusa very savvily notices that uh, the one car is leaving the the the. The driveway, the gate is open. She runs onto the property of uh, the, uh, I have the name here, the Moneybags house. Um, <laughs> she, she makes her way into the house there. Pete, she eats a pear, which means that she is not a jerk. Let me repeat that. Not a jerk because only jerks eat apples on screen. Yeah, and um, the way she's able to sneak in this rather openly laid out home, Use the waves, lies on their bed, heads into the big closet in either a jewelry box or, you know, maybe uh, the, the male equivalent pulls out a, a big old roll of cash, puts on some clothes, got to get a little purple in there, uh, looks at herself in the mirror, sees the hair and feels sad, Matt, before we see a photo of the aforementioned Moneybag family. Um, 
And as she grabs some food out of the cabinet, she notices a headline, maybe the second worst headline ever in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first was during one of the Netflix shows. I can't remember which one, but this one reads man attacks cops. <laughs> um, side note, Pete, I, I, and I didn't know this for sure, but I hope that those, uh, that, that, that canned food has one of those snap tops. Otherwise she needs to steal a can opener too. <laughs> and Pete, then we get an epic, act and you know she now knows more about black bolt she's now able to go there with some money and new clothes and whatnot and we end the act by her looking at a magnet for a taxi company boom after the act break pete take us to pottsville yeah karnak uh identifies himself as not being a threat he's just lost man you know that show that filmed on this island lost that he, he was in little little bit of a thing we got two lost vets uh not not og cast but uh um regular enough in the later seasons but he didn't mean to intrude on what's going on there suddenly there's a woman uh who doesn't want to see karnak tied up that that would qualify as kidnapping um and then matt i was texting you Hey, is this one of those special grow operations or why are they ornery about him? And then as I'm texting you and waiting for a response, the one man says, well, we're squatting on public land with an acre of ganja. So there's that. I, I guess you can't prominently feature the the, the very distinct leave and, and make it apparent uh, what it is. But this this guy, he could ruin everything everything but with his tats no way he's a cop right right no way with that ink he's a popo um i don't know how obvious it was meant to be before the line that probably speaks pete to the the uh straight narrow path that you and i both walk in 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 life um but it's at this point that as uh, as tough as nails man uh, who is separate from the main guy and separate from Louise, as he says that he wants to kill Karnak, we have Karnak foreseeing, kicking the table to knock the thing, to make other things fall, to make stuff fall on the bad guys, um, and then back to back to now, or back to reality, or back to, to whatever it might be. He decides to try that out, and the table only falls over. Wah, wah. His powers <laughs> are still broken, Pete. Yeah, this amid talk that perhaps with the family reference, his family needs him that maybe he's cartel uh, Medusa Gorgon. Maybe they, uh, they put it together that these are uh, names from antiquity uh, of legends. And I mean, credit the misdirection that we're seeing the calculations in his head. He kicks the table the, there's the imagined collapse and, you know, uh, subsequent escape, but instead he just kicks it and nothing happens. Hey guys, let's talk outside. We go back to the jail where black bolt just simply will not talk to Sammy, his new prison friend. Uh, Sammy wonders if Black Bolt was bitten by a radioactive bug. Oh my goodness, Pete. <laughs> Stop the podcast. Get Sony pictures on the phone. I think that we just had a major, major uh, just just breach of contract here. Uh, but luckily, Sammy quickly changes the subject. Or maybe did Black Bolt wake up in a black crust? Pete, that gets Black Bolt's attention, doesn't it? Yeah, the funky rock-like crust, very specific. And at this point, we're thinking, okay, everybody's heard about in humans the the hate that went on with the watchdogs during Agents of Shield. Then perhaps this is, you know, a a a, a public situation where people know about this. Um, but uh, he he tells him he's not the enemy. Uh, he he would warn. People like him, he, he sees him as an inhuman that, uh, you know, uh, you, you would disappear. Uh, but they're going to get out any way they can before something bad happens. And he, he gives him a, a tap there because this is Hawaii, Matt. We help our friends. That's made up for some of the some of the 
less than glamorous views given to uh, the 50th state. Back we go to the forest. There's beeping. Uh, we are with the uh, the Adelan attack squad of uh, interesting, handsome, and beautiful people. Uh, Mortis <laughs> is told to stay back. Um, and Pete, can we just give a shout out to the guy playing Mortis in an all body costume and a mask in the forest in Hawaii? Because that's that that's impressive. Depending on what time of year they filmed it, I, I think he might have been more comfortable than than we're giving him credit for. Um, we know that they filmed in the the late spring, so it, it might not have been that bad, particularly if the trade winds were uh, were at play. But yeah, it, it is a cumbersome costume. It's not the greatest costume either, um, you know, compared to what we're used to with these these marvel productions um and you've got uh some some again uh difference of opinion between mortis and uh oron he's told to keep uh locus safe not his best quality but made to obey uh and as she kicks in the shed the comm link is there but it's empty and gorgon notes her as a traitor there's gunfire he rushes her uh there's a guy who was about to show us what powers he has and he merely lights up his hands before he takes a crossbow bolt to the chest so r.i.p uh some kind of inhuman guy who may have had hand powers another dude spits venom at one of the soldiers in the tree uh my notes say flora trees <laughs> yeah because uh, and then the, the the crew is in the trees so flora uses her tree power to shake the trees because she's got the plant power pete she trees man and then this this gorgon oron fight goes on for a little bit longer than i think Everybody might have preferred before she's kicked into the brush. She calls for Mortis to come out, and I'm like, all right, Mortis, let's let's see these death powers, which are apparently the same powers as uh, Scott Summers from the X-Men. Wow. Let me read to you from my notes, Pete. Mortis <laughs> reveals his power, taking off his mask and firing fire. Scott Summer style. By the way, I want he to He didn't point even out- take off his mask. It, it was just the eyes. Oh, I just want to point out that after we spent some time in the uh, the two-hour premiere discussing Gorgon's feet, uh, I watched very carefully in this fight scene. You would be hard-pressed to see his feet in any wide shots. There certainly are some. In fact, there's one I wanted to go back and I didn't where I think you could see just a regular old boot. But much of the fight is done from the waist up. Maybe, you know, a way to, to highlight the best of the fight as we head to the act break. Pete... And coming back out of that act break, Pete, take us back to the ganja camp, man. Karnak is tied up. The woman comes in and uh, she takes a knife out of the box, uh, being able to, we think, accurately predict the future, thereby not making mistakes. Karnak uh, figures out they've made a decision um, but uh, she's going to instead uh, uh, treat his uh, wound, the infected area there, so that it or so that it doesn't get affected. Um, oh, I get it. You're going to leave a, a clean corpse, but uh, she's apologetic. She says she's sorry about Reno. So we name one of the uh, three people here with this grow operation. They sunk all their money into it. It it comes off fairly sympathetic in her. Uh, hands here um, he Reno was all worried this is going to blow up uh, but uh, Karnak says he's not going to get in the way um, and their dream Matt won't go poof up in smoke no pun intended oh man I I understand that's a reference to a to a, a movie which I have not seen <laughs> uh, it's around this point that uh, that um, Karnak has asked about his tattoos he admits that it was a teen decision. Many years have gone by since. Now he doesn't make mistakes, but he can no longer see ahead anymore. And he just kind of decides he wants to stay there, Pete. This is kind of like a cool, cool commune. Maybe, you know, 
build some yellow houses, get a book club going. You know, they already have one ingredient for the brownies, so bake some brownies and whatnot. This could be a cool, like, you know, maybe it's like a digital one shot, you know, Karnak <laughs> and the pot farmers. You know, ding, 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 ding. I don't know, Pete. I, I think it could be a hit. Well, it's rather picturesque here as as the sun goes down, and then we have Louise typing in the car, who receives a knock from Captain Pena. Um, she is told that she is waiting out here all night for nothing. But wait, don't you have a clue who you have in custody? Uh, and he tells her when he gets back from his supper break which I'm fairly certain somebody of a captain level at a prison wouldn't have to leave to go get some chow, uh, that if she's still there, her car will be towed with her in it. That's probably hyperbole on his part. I suspect you probably can't legally tow a car with someone in it, but I digress. Back inside the prison we go. The guards yank Sammy out of the cell uh, and separately, they take Black Bolt out. Uh, they were playing chess, Pete, the, the the thinking man's game. And there's a great moment, uh, you know. Of course, obviously, uh, Black Bolt, no dialogue. So, so we need Anson Mount to have little acting flourishes here and there. And the fact that he gives the wait one second finger, finishes yeah. his chess move, then gives the knowing nod. Okay, he's ready to go, Pete. They're off to exercise, and there's a little preview for when we get back to the prison for exercise time. It's like the way it is in the slammer. They're all going to go exercise at night. It's what you do. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Adelan, uh, Maximus calls Tiber forward, uh, who refers to him as Max and then his king. So clearly there are people other than crystal who do not refer or see him as a leader. He wants a new edict drafted one that's going to abolish this caste system, but wait, that will unconvincing acting tear our society to pieces. Um, I'm surprised that this actor, one of the texts from Westworld, what? would be rather unconvincing <laughs> since he was quite great in that. Perhaps it's the gravity on the moon, which as we know is one quarter less, but they never show that in the show. Anyhow, uh, Crystal is called for. Uh, she arrives, but Lockjaw isn't there. She's saying, you know, where's my dog? Um, and, and it's around this time where it's great to see Iwan Rion talking about the hounds again, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's at this point, Pete, you know, Crystal gives her speech and, and she seems all in, but long pause. Maximus is king. Longer pause of no one, Pete. Yeah, she uses her freezy powers, which we still really haven't quite defined. And she gets away. Odd time for a flashback with this. But... Um, we cover the ground here about Maximus's Terragenesis, and it actually brought him back evolutionarily. Uh, that his his human uh, status that he he's no longer inhuman down to the deepest cellular level he is merely human and matt as you understand i'm just speaking to our general audience no inhuman can be king of the inhumans or no human can be king of the inhumans that's that that's how it is that's the way it is back to the present day maximus uh hops off the disc just given by crystal you know, you'd think he'd be down and out but instead he turns it into Maximus the Outsider, Maximus the Protector of People. And I have to say, uh, it's it's a nicely written scene. It's a well-crafted uh, kind of turn of events. It's well-acted. I got no complaints, Pete. And in fact, things only get better because Crystal gets the lockjaw. As you know, the, this, this prized and powerful creature of Adelan is, of course, being kept sedated, being kept... Uh, held separate from everyone else and being kept completely unguarded. Um, <laughs> Crystal shocks him awake, seems a little rough, you know, or, or ice shocks him awake, uh, and they transport to Earth to end the act. When we come back from the break here, we still have uh, Karnak at night. Uh, 
tied up and Reno enters here. They took a vote on what to do with him and he's ready to spout dialogue. And then I die in service and he's cut free. May I point out, Pete, that this is the third consecutive act that starts back in the wacky weed camp. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if there's some sort of meta thing there, but we keep coming back from commercial ready for the ganj, as I think the cool kids say. I don't know about all of that. Do you think there's any possibility they're trying to make some statement? You know, royals, the people speaking, Matt, uh, the idea that what's illegal in one state is legal in another. I don't know. Well, all I know is that uh, that uh, we go back to the prison and Pete, it's that aforementioned outdoor exercise time at night, uh, not particularly overly lit as one might possibly expect for, you know, a jail or a prison. Uh, all the other prisoners just stop and watch Black Bolt, just just stare at him because we are dramatically setting up the, the reveal that actually they think he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, a giant prisoner comes to him, not, you know, not unusually giant, just a big fella, fist bumps him. Yeah, beating up the cops. This, of course, annoys the guards who then throw weights on the floor. And <laughs> because Black Bolt won't pick up the weights, he gets beaten and there's a brief riot. Yeah. Uh, um, again, I dig that the prisoners are cast here in a tone. While we're not going to endorse any kind of violence a against police, me being the, uh, the the brother of a detective and Matt having uh, law enforcement in the family as well. I think the story idea that these guys act better than the people who are there to make sure they act well um, says something. And uh, yeah, we get the gas canister. Black Bolt has to cover his mouth. You wondered, all right, you know, would he cough? And then, you know, prisoners get splattered everywhere <laughs> what happens but he he uh, gets blindsided by a guard he takes out several with a nightstick flips a shotgun around all this while covering his face before he and sammy gets to a stairwell uh sammy determined to get him out and help him find his wife yeah and in fact it's a nice reveal as they head to uh to kind of one of those metal you know garage door type type doors in, in this uh industrial portion of the of the prison uh sammy reveals that he is an inhuman of the earth variety he's using his uh his hands to melt the door um and it takes a little time to do it because there's some dialogue to be to be had there um but it's at this point that we flash back to the past uh it is said by black bolt's father that uh, black bolt's voice is the most powerful thing ever in the history of everything not sure if that's a direct that, quote, but it's it's super powerful, Pete. I don't think that was dad. I think that was the genetic council guy uh, uh, yes, yes. telling it to the parents uh, that as he matures, it'll grow stronger. The mother, of course, wants to know what all this means. And it's it's broken down for her that your eldest son has the power to destroy Adelan accidentally or on purpose and it's just occurring to me now reading these notes a rebellious teenager who previously was cast uh as as being bored by these kingly responsibilities i guess that's a real threat like screw you mom you know we just put a a massive hole in in adelan um not that i don't think that she thinks this is a possibility particularly the way that she embraces him. Um, and even when the idea is floated that they stick him someplace safe, which she turns into lock him away. That's where dad jumps in here, uh, and says he will learn to control this gift. Uh, and he will be King someday as the younger Maximus 
is around and, you know, whether he's gone through pterogenesis at this point or not, still cast as something less. Ultimately, though, this idea, you know, should we send him away? Is Black Bolt to be to be feared? No, he's going to be he's going to be kept here, which is great, Pete, because it's not like we've previously seen that there's this really oppressive caste system that nonetheless discriminates against people. Anyhow, back to the present day, uh, Sammy and Black Bolt are breaking out. They're noticed by by Louise, who still is hanging out in the uh, the parking lot across the way. There's a helicopter there that I think. You know, kudos to the show here. The helicopter reads as, oh man, prison troubles, helicopter coming. Um, but quickly it's revealed that the helicopter is actually there to pick them up. It's not Penny's boat, Pete. Uh, the, chopper, <laughs> the chopper takes off and then in a series of just frustrating for the characters, Pete, who who just narrowly misses Black Bolt? That's Medusa. Having entered gate 2C, she's just behind Louise uh, meets her there um, and Medusa wants to know who was in the helicopter. Uh, They're they're trying to figure out who each is and Medusa puts the gun on here. We're going to follow that helicopter now before we head off to maybe the most controversial tag scene in the history of Marvel television spanning nearly 200 episodes. Indeed. Uh, simply put, we have Lockjaw and Crystal materializing in the forest. Out of the blue, a 4x4 four four, uh, hits Lock, Lockjaw. There's all sorts of terrible you know, whining and crying out on Lockjaw's part. Whimpering, yeah. Whimpering. I mean, really, really heartfelt stuff. You know, not, not a cool way to end the episode uh, with the only character in this entire this entire palette of of uh, creatures in human, human, and and canine who is uh, completely without any fault. I know I am more sensitive to this than most, having just put a dog to sleep a month ago Wednesday. But holy smokes, man, I get what we're going for in terms of pathos to have this gigantic lovable cow dog get hit by an ATV but could there have been another way to to do it first he comes out of the teleport and either taxed from that experience or uh still with some of the sedative in his system collapses then he gets treated like a speed bump by this ATV and and we're left with him whimpering in pain. It's it's almost too much to bear, Matt. It it really is, and it makes me wonder. Um, that, I mean, clearly it's a powerful kind of story tool that they're using. You know, the, the, the sympathy that we have for animals. I wonder if they're not misusing it again, just because. You know, it'd be one thing if it was like, oh, well, it's the it's the mean hounds that done bit off someone's leg or something. You know, this is this is a a a faultless character thus far, and I don't. I mean, I guess it's an effective hook at the end because we want to find out what's going to happen next week. But I almost feel like because of the exaggerated nature of this character, it's it's slightly unfair the the heartstrings that they are pulling. It's time for Royal Pains. Pete, who is the first on the list of bad guys? You know, we finished these first two episodes uh, a week or ten days ago, and I was I was thinking I was Team Maximus. Now I think less so. Is is he the first bad guy we're going to look at? No, that would be uh, Captain Pena there, Matt. Clearly not treating his job as we would hope somebody in a position of authority would yeah i think the all-around largely well certainly in this episode unredeemed bad guy somebody whose badness is without context or motivation and uh prepared to beat uh the prisoner uh in, in the form of black bolt and uh yeah i i think pete befitting being first on your list 
from there, we'll come back to Maximus. And I definitely thought about your point in the previous episode. Should we be rooting against him? He sees himself as a liberator. He's, he's trying to get people out of the mines. But I, I think we have to look at the ulterior motives. He's still carrying a flame for his sister-in-law. That's kind of creepy. Um, the, the manipulation in this episode of crystal unsuccessfully. So yes, he is a skilled orator though. He may only be a human. Although I, I still think that maybe, uh, they're, they're playing around a little bit with that, you know, double, double pterogenesis, maybe something else going on. Uh, we'll talk about that in our, our next segment. Um, but I, I think he's squarely in the uh, royal pain, uh, you know, quadrant. I think he's able to stay there because we, the audience, do not believe him when he says he he solely wants to free, uh, you know, free the oppressed in Adelan. I think perhaps at best that is a byproduct of his villainous plan. At worst. You know, they vote for him, they get hoodwinked when they realize that this guy can't actually do the job or doesn't even want to do the job for which he's putting himself out there. Uh, where they dream this stuff up, I don't know, but that's why he's a villain, Pete. How about our next on the list here, Matt? We continue with previously familiar characters, this in uh, Oron. Uh, I think she's a really effective lieutenant, you know, kind of the, the surrogate for the, the general that is, uh, that is Maximus. Uh, I mean, I like her attitude. I like her fighting style. I like the actress's screen presence. Uh, I think she's an effective kind of, you know, mid, mid story baddie. I was glad that Sonia Balmores was coming back for more. And I, I think you'd make a mistake to, to kill her off in, in that two part premiere. Um, what I don't like is okay now she's gotta lead the powered squad here we're not sure that what everybody does we know there's a woman named locus we've not seen do anything there was a guy who spat black stuff like uh the the one dinosaur in jurassic park (laughs) Uh, there was also a guy with, uh, glowy eyes that made lasers. Um, I don't like her in, in that role. I, I want to see her off and, and doing her thing, not leading goons. Speaking of that goon squad, Pete, let's not forget Flora who has the power to make plants move. <laughs> Because she has a flower in her hair. And I mentioned Locus before, even though we see no powers out of her whatsoever. And maybe they were too expensive for the operation. Who knows? Maybe find another inhuman that you could show the powers. It was a nice workaround they did with Flora. Okay, we're going to show you the tendrils moving on the path. And we're going to quick move these potted uh uh, palm tree. So it looks like she's moving the whole forest as it happens. Um, but as a, a performance situation, you know, the, the effect of her treeing those guys is, uh, less effective than creating the path earlier. And now we're going to take a look and evaluate some royal thoughts. Pete, let's start with Locus. This is a character who in the comics uh, has the ability to teleport and, uh, and has, uh, has jumped around with different alliances over the years. And of course, in the comics, um, will we see more Locus? Will we see more Rainya Piper in the future? So it has the same power as the, the cute cow dog is what you're telling me. Uh, well, in the comics anyway, yes. No wonder we didn't see her do anything because now it's, now it's brand confusion, Matt. Now, (laughs) you know, your, your power is essentially your identity. If you're, if you're making storms, if you're doing quakes, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're super fast. Um, and this human has the same power as the dog who we like better. So 
all right, then I guess, like I said, find find a different inhuman. How about Sammy? Um, is the fact that he has inhuman powers too convenient that that Black Bolt winds up with him? Hmm. Um, let me put it this way. Is it convenient because this is a constructed false story? Yes, in that sense, it's convenient. Do I buy it that there are unregistered, un, unouted inhumans out there in the world uh, who do not reveal themselves uh, because of the circumstances going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? That I definitely buy. Sammy, you know, I, I mean, they're in county lockup, right? So there's not like, it's not like he's this renowned, you know, axe murderer or something like that. If he's just kind of like a crook or a bad guy that's doing some time and he wants to keep his powers quiet um, and nobody's found out about them yet, to me, that's all in line with, with a larger comment about, you know, living, living a closeted lifestyle as an, an inhuman and all that that might represent metaphorically. So I actually appreciate the metaphor, even though it does make for a small world. Lastly, uh, keeping it light from me, Matt, is Karnak going to reap so much green that he's not going to want to return to the royal family? I think that we're going to get kind of that bittersweet ending to season one perhaps the series we'll see how that goes but at the end of this eight episode arc it's going to be like you know all right uh lockjaw let's take our family home and then he says wait hold on guys i must say goodbye there uh, th there's some great wacky weed here and i just feel like the plant is from the earth it is natural we can we can make it better i can see the future i can see the varieties I want to live with Louise and the other two guys, and we're we're going to make a new royal family to make new royal brand marijuana. Um, so that's wait, that's my wait. When did you take Louise and and throw her in with the the marijuana cash croppers? I'm sorry, I have mixed up Louise and the <laughs> marijuana lady who is not Louise. Although th that would make quite I mean, an ending. Surprise! They've all come together. Regardless, Pete, joking aside, I think uh, we're going to have to see Karnak break up with his pot family to go live back in the stars, man. Let's take a look at a little royal correspondence. Who have we heard from Pete all the way on the Faces book? Well, in addition to the series of tweets of, of people making sure we were still drawing air, uh, that, that we had not reliably uh, podcasted this episode through the weekend, we've received a number of messages here through the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Uh, the first came from... Uh, Jeremy Richards, he thought uh, episode one and two were entirely okay. A solid seven out of ten, as you guys said in your podcast, much better than the initial episode episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And your podcast is perfect. Just the right mix of intellect, humor, and appropriate levels. So thank you, Jeremy Richards. Thank you, Jeremy. And I think that it was with this third episode that I kind of settled into the show and went, all right, they are not trying to be a deep dive into what it means to be a disabled person and a Catholic and a powered person all in the backdrop of corporate greed and, and uh, you know, kind of corporate malfeasance and whatnot. They're trying to be a fun action show where they're sometimes they're in the jungle and sometimes they're in the city and they're trying to fix their problems and whatnot. And it's like I kind of let go of the negativity and and I just kind of Pete, I just I breathed in this show and I took it. I took it all in. And I felt just calm afterwards when I exhaled. I found a, a but much better effort in this episode, um, you know, cash crop subplot withstanding. So, uh, hey, I mean, I, I think we've shown room for growth. We have uh, one other communique here via Facebook. This from our old pal, Robert T. Frost, 
who says, overall, I'm enjoying the Inhumans. However, I think we all agree that something is missing. I couldn't quite pick my put my finger on it until after my third rewatch, the writing. There are little things that just take me out of the story. An example, when the moon rover is destroyed by Gorgon, he crushes it with his hoof as it bumps the hidden outside wall of Adelan. How is Gorgon outside where there is no air? And if the Inhumans are part of the MCU, why such an ignorant view of the director of CACC? Have we, or, or we have, an alien invasion of New York, a sentient robot try and lift and drop a city, uh, and husk-encased Inhumans popping up around the world uh, when the oceans got contaminated? What's worse is his laissez-faire attitude about losing a multi-million dollar rover in an accident that all caps here clearly happened to it on the moon, not a malfunction nor human error. Another thing that took me out of the story also was when Medusa's head was shorn and it's not the Clippers. I was expecting a rough, ragtag, uneven scalp, not a nice, neat, smoothly trimmed head looking like she just got up from the barber's chair in boot camp. I truly hope the actors can rise above the material they have been given. Your friend, Bob. You know, not to pit the shows against each other. Um, first of all, the fact that Bob has found what, what many of us have found before, which is this seems to be a problem. The problems seem to root from a production producer showrunner point of view. Uh, I think back to at New York Comic Con at the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel where Jeff Loeb seemed so conversant chapter and verse in this latest season of 22 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the three pods and the twists and the turns and so on and so forth. And I remember just sitting there going, this guy is too busy. He has too many shows to be paying this much attention to shield but shield is as he says every time i know he didn't say the mothership this time but it was words to that effect i i suspect pete that amidst all these other shows that he is executive producing at some level and i'm certainly not suggesting that Loeb, you know does day-to-day operations with with any of these shows he's overseeing the entire marvel television unit but i think he's more involved in shield than the other shows because it is the first one and it is the the progenitor of all that has come and it just seems like nobody was overseeing the guy running uh running in humans and if that's a fault of scott buck's boss you know i mean we, we all have people we answer to but again here here uh robert t frost has kind of he's honed in on things that make sense. Now, when you look back and go, Oh yeah, her haircut is really, really awesome in its shortness. Why was it so well done? You know, things like that, where you say somebody is in charge of making sure things look accurate to their universe. And the way, the way the attack was perpetrated on her, it shouldn't look like you're freshly styled out of a barber's chair, as he said. So great observations there. It is, and I have to agree, while the emotionality of it, and I'm not saying that didn't bother uh, Bob either, it's an excellent point in that it, it, it's a perfectly shaved uh, head, and yeah, it, it should have been rougher. Um, credit where credit is due. They got out from under the wig. <laughs> but the fix didn't, didn't exactly uh, fix things. Well, Pete, let's take an opportunity to thank those who fix each week for us some of the uh, technological things that we have, some of the costs that we accrue. Big thanks to our pals who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Yes, uh, you make everything around here possible. And uh, as Matt mentioned um, on our Star Trek uh, Discovery podcast last night, the the bill comes soon uh, for the year. And uh, could we pay it without our patrons? We could. Uh, is it that much easier to do it that we're, we're listener supported? Absolutely. So everybody who contributes uh, gets exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of perks at different levels. And uh, we're uh, on top of this 
just so honored you would even consider going to patreon.com slash fantastic geek of course pete the best treat always free how can people be in touch with you you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 9526 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you fancy. We are Fantastic Geek, Fantastic with the P and the H. Visit fantasticgeek.com. Send an email to fantasticgeek.gmail.com. Check out our New York Comic Con pictures on Instagram, we are where we are Fantastic Geek, or give us a tweet on Twitter at Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, how can people be like Robert T. Frost and Jeremy Richards? facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word we picked up a slew of likes and we want to add you so we can't do that we can't just draft you you do have to go on to facebook and pop in fantastic geek but uh you'll be a part of the conversation whether it's in humans whether it's uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whether it's Star Trek Discovery, what, whether it's the forthcoming, no date, still, Punisher, uh, we want you to be a part of it all. Pete, we will be back later this week to talk some New York Comic Con stuff, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Star Trek Discovery, and more. We will be back this Friday or Saturday to talk more Inhumans, so two Inhumans two weeks in a row kind of sort of since last week and then there was two weeks ago with two episodes anyhow pete with that i will say aloha to all our listeners and give you the final word looking forward to it bruh <laughs>